This is the Olive Wellness Podcast, brought to you by the Olive Wellness Institute. Welcome to this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. I'm Sarah Gray. Sustainability is a term which is becoming increasingly important to consumers across the world who are concerned about the environmental impact of the products they buy. As olives, extra virgin olive oil and other products of the olive tree become more prominent in people's diets, how sustainable are they and what effect do they have on the land? To answer that, we turn to world-renowned researcher in the olive industry, Leandro Rivetti. Graduating as an agricultural engineer in Argentina, Leandro worked for the National Institute of Agricultural Technology in olive production research. In 2001, Leandro moved to Australia, where he is a highly respected advisor to the owners of the largest olive groves and olive processing plants in the country. Chris Ashmore asks Leandro, in his role as an agricultural engineer, how conscious is he of sustainability? Right from the beginning, usually with the site selection, knowing where you're going to be growing the olives, just making sure that the climate is suitable, the soil is suitable, so that you are picking the right area so you're not then fighting the odds, so to speak. Reducing the amount of uh, then chemicals and inputs that you're going to need to grow the olives sustainably. And then once the olives are on the ground and they're growing, it just moves more into just general good horticultural practices. You know, just making sure that irrigation, fertilization and pest and disease management is done properly so that there's no wastage, there's no leaks, there's no losses of the inputs into the environment and whatever you're doing is quite cost-conscious, but at the same time, you're achieving the maximum output without disrupting the environment. And then moves even to the end in terms of making sure that you come up with creative ways of dealing with the byproducts or that any activity has so that they don't, again, generate a negative impact on the environment and you end up having a more sustainable production overall. I suppose technology is changing all the time, so it is becoming more and more sustainable, particularly today versus when perhaps you first started out after university, yeah? Uh, absolutely. You know, certainly in the, in the past 25 years, we have seen a significant shift on many, many areas. Anything from what tends to be more obvious, the chemicals utilised to control pests and diseases, certainly we moved a long way from the old chlorinate and organophosphates into much more environmentally friendly products that are highly specific to target one particular pest. Also, it's broadly accepted now that we are not sort of widely spraying everything several times on calendar, but you're really, really doing a very close monitoring and only spraying targeted areas when it's needed to encourage the growth of natural predators that help to maintain you know, the right environment. And that goes also to the tools that we have now to monitor things, you know, particularly irrigation and fertilization as well. Now, with the use of satellites, drones, probes, tree sensors, we can certainly have a much closer eye to what's going on on the grove to make sure that we're not wasting any water or any fertilizer, but at the same time that the trees are getting everything that they need to produce to the best. Olive trees have been around for, of course, a very long time. What impact do olive trees and olive groves have on the land? It's one of the aspects that really got me hooked into the olive thing in the early days was just the history behind the crop. It's arguably the, the most 
ancient horticultural crop. Olives and humans have been sort of worked together for you know thousands of years and have been using the fruit and the oil from the fruit for you know since then. There's biblical records and everything that goes back a thousand of years. The olive tree played a very important role in what is now Southern Europe, Northern Africa, and sort of the Near East as a natural forest. You know, just it's a very hardy tree, it's adapted to those conditions, and it had really helped to provide uh, you know, a good stable environment in those fairly dry, arid areas of the world around the Mediterranean, and at the same time provided enough biodiversity in that area. So it's almost like, a, I always try to explain, the, the olive trees are for the Mediterranean, almost like the gum trees for Australia. They play a very similar place in the environment over there. Mm-hmm. There's been information that olive groves act as a carbon sink. What does this mean, or how do you explain this? Yes, when we analyze the different components that are actually causing the carbon emissions around the world, normally agriculture receives a little bit of a blame. It's estimated that about 15% of carbon emissions are coming from agricultural activities, particularly animal farming side of things. Olives, fortunately for us and for the environment, are actually a carbon sink. They have a negative balance in terms of carbon emissions, so they trap more carbon from the atmosphere than what they release. So this is a very positive thing. This is analyzing the industry as a whole. Obviously, depending on the type of management that you do, you may be able to be more efficient or less efficient in terms of capturing and trapping carbon, especially the more modern approach of olive growing with larger canopies, keeping grass on the ground, so not using a large amount of herbicides and incorporating the pruning residues into the soil to boost the organic matter. All those practices are helping to increase the capacity of the olive tree to capture carbon. Just to give you an idea one hectare of olives pretty much offset the carbon footprint of one person. Or if you put it in global terms, the total olive oil production in the world is equivalent to the footprint of a 10 million people city, or pretty much the olive oil production in the world kind of like offsets the footprint of Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, probably, just pretty much. You mentioned pesticides and chemicals before, but how many pesticides and insect sprays and that kind of thing are used on olive groves? We're actually quite fortunate with olives. In general terms, especially when compared with other crops, olives are quite hardy, so are a lot more resilient, and they are not affected by as many pests or diseases as many other crops. And because of that, you need less products. This is one of the great things around olives, and also because it's combined with the fact that olives are mostly grown in Mediterranean-type climates with fairly dry summers and autumns, and under those conditions, they're not very prone to fungal diseases, as you have or experience with, with other crops. That really has been a great positive thing, especially in the new countries, you know, especially when we looked at you know, places like Australia. The main two pests affecting olives around the world, uh, which is olive fly and olive moth, they're not present in Australia, so we're fortunate to have even less impact from that point of view. Virtually, if I have to say, we barely use any insecticide at all, and usually the chemical treatments are very limited to the use of some copper-based fungicides to prevent any potential infection after harvest, and that's pretty much it, which would be almost in line with what an organic production system will do. So we're very fortunate from that point of view because it also helps to keep the cost down as well as being good with the environment. 
what are some adverse factors that could affect an olive tree that you have to take care of? Probably the things that you need to look for, I mean, definitely there is always the potential of some fungal disease or bacterial disease. And normally they tend to happen late in the season, so late autumn and winter, which is the time of a year that normally in Mediterranean climates you have rain. And at the same time, if you're harvesting, the harvesting process, no matter if it's done by hand or with machines, there's always it's always an aggressive you know, process with the tree. There's always a little bit of a certain degree of damage to the tree. So you need to make sure that you're protecting the wounds that you generate or that you're protecting the fruit as the fruit ripens and becomes more susceptible to those diseases. You just need to protect them. Then probably the other critical thing that you need to look for to protect or to prevent any quality issues with the olive oil production is the handling of that fruit. It's just making sure that the fruit is picked at the right time that is transported quickly and properly and then it's handled in the right way by the processing plant and turned into oil as quickly as possible. Th- those are probably the, I'll say, the most critical aspects you know, related to the quality of, of oil. Frost, does that affect them? Yes, well, definitely not so much on quality. Frost could certainly be an issue and probably has been one of the main environmental issues affecting olive production, particularly in the new growing areas. It's, it's almost like in the Mediterranean over thousands of years they managed to work out what areas were going to be more or less affected by frost. But when the olives expanded outside the Mediterranean, in South America, California, Australia, South Africa, and so on, the different climates and environments end up finding out what is it the trees could tolerate. And the olive trees are actually quite hard even with frost too. However, as you move closer and closer to the time that the trees are budding up and producing some of the early flowers, so we're talking about spring frosts, they could be a lot more susceptible even with just slight frost. But usually frosts tend to be strongly related to the microclimates and the topography. So if you're in a low area where the cold air tends to sit for longer, you end up seeing more damage. So all the industry have learned over the past 10, 20 years where olives would be more suitable for planting and goes back to the first question when we were discussing about the role in making the production sustainable and I said really site selection. Just knowing where to grow the olives is probably the first step towards having a sustainable growth. Now, do olive groves typically require much water usage in the context of other types of fruit-bearing crops? Look, again, there's a fortunate thing around olives and probably is one of the things that Olives have been highlighted in the last few years is how hard they are to tolerate drought and low water conditions. Having said that, there is probably a little bit of a myth around this too. It's true, olives can tolerate extremely dry conditions and they will survive through them. Having said that, they also perform really well when they are fully irrigated. So they're not different to other trees from the point of view of how well they respond to irrigation. But they have two advantages, or three, I would say. The first one is that they can definitely tolerate extremely dry periods without dying. So they will produce less, and then as soon as the water is back, they will recover. The second one is that they can handle water with lower quality. So olive trees are a lot more tolerant to salty water. When other crops start struggling, olives will still do well with that type of water, which is, again, is an advantage under certain conditions. And the last one is that when you do like a straight comparison with other crops, in horticulture, we normally use close-cut grass as a reference. So you picture a golf fairway, we say, okay, that's, that's your baseline. 
how much water crop needs, you say, well, you use 10% more, 20% less than close-cut grass. And in the case of olives, are clearly way below that. So olives, to be fully irrigated, to really produce the maximum, they need about 30% less water than grass, which is, to put you in context, an apple orchard would probably need about 10% more than grass. And if I'm thinking about nuts, like some almonds or walnuts, they probably use close to 30% more than close-cut grass. So olives, from that point of view, of all the horticultural crops, probably together with grapes, are some of the most you know, water-efficient crops in the sense that they can maximize their productivity with relatively low amount of water. Well, besides extra virgin olive oil and table olives, what are some of the ways that olive growers are sustainably utilizing the tree to get the most out of the crop as a natural resource? It's quite a hot topic in the industry, just from the point of view of trying to make the overall crop more sustainable, both from the environmental point of view and also from the economic point of view. I've been giving you a lot of the positives about olives. Some of the negatives, especially with olive oil, is the fact that olive oil is only 20% of what you harvest. Right from that point, you have to deal with 80% of a byproduct at the end of harvest. And that's without even considering pruning and, and so on and so forth. So over the past probably 20 to 30 years, the industry have paid a lot of attention to this factor. And in very simple terms, the byproducts out of the olive grove have been mostly used for three purposes. The generation of energy in different shapes of form, from pyrolysis to gas generation to you know cogeneration or for animal feeding, or for fertilizer. Uh, so just composting it and bringing that back to the grow. The different proportion that the grower will use and go for one option or the other depends on a number of factors. One is probably the scale of the operation and what it justifies you to invest on or not. And usually also the location of the growths and how closely the groves are working together. For example, if we looked at the southern part of Spain, Andalusia, where they produce close to 50% of the world production of olive oil, you got hundreds of thousands of hectares of olives. Certain setups around cogeneration are a lot more profitable or justifiable because you don't need to transport the waste for long distances. So the cost structure of that analysis and also in the context where the European Union recognizes credits for renewable energies, it provides a context where certain options are more suitable. In our cases, we have been mostly aiming at a zero waste policy around, for example, separating the pit from the rest of the flesh, using the pit as a renewable energy on our own boiler. So we just managed to produce all our hot water and everything, just burning our own pit, while the rest of the flesh is composted and used back as a fertilizer because transported it to other points with the long distances in Australia would not be cost effective. Even more recently, a third option or a fourth option has been added, and it's around being able to extract from those byproducts, some of the highly valuable, important components that are still there, particularly around the antioxidants that made olive oil famous. A lot of those antioxidants are still present in the remainings of the fruit and being able to extract them, to isolate them and use them either as food preservatives for therapeutical or 
cosmetical purposes has been some of the more recent and interesting advances of the industry. Leandro Rivetti. That ends this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. To learn more about the nutrition, health and wellness benefits of olives and olive products, please visit the Olive Wellness Institute website at olivewellnessinstitute.org. Until next time, I'm Sarah Gray. Thanks for listening. Thank you.